The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk and Built by Nature. Catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and Facebook. And get involved with the show using hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show that is arguing about where DFW ends and East Texas begins. My name is Greg Tucker. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there, celebrating what would have been his 52nd birthday today. I don't, I don't think I want to meet 52-year-old Kurt Cobain. <laughs> like, probably not. Like he would have put out some bad music between between '94 yeah, and now. Potentially. That's uh, it's tough. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, happy birthday, Kurt Cobain. Don't you have something to say? Oh, yeah, sorry. First four through the door. Matt McSpadden, Rob Hadaway, Daniel Agnew, and Josh Chappell. The, um, Thank you. By the way, the answer to where East Texas begins, in my opinion, mm. our uh, line of delineation, okay. is Terrell is the last city in DFW. Okay. If you're heading east sure. and you hit Terrell. Is that just because they have a Buckeys? You want to claim the Buckeys for DFW? They did not have a Buckeys when I drew the lines. Okay. So... Fair I, I want. I want to say now. How you convenient. cannot. You cannot fault me. I would say that the. In fact, why don't we just say <laughs> that the line between East Texas and DFW goes directly in the middle of the Buckies. Okay. So All right. on one hand, we share the Buckies. On one hand, I don't know how it's laid out, but on one hand, one side getting those beautiful bathrooms. Uh, getting all. Getting the freezers. One side's getting the gift shop, basically. And one side. Uh, and and the hot food counter. Get in the hot food counter. I don't know who comes out on top in that one. That's probably okay. That's uh, that's tough. I don't know. Just think about it, guys. It's the off season. Today is Wednesday, February twentieth, two thousand nineteen. Two hundred eighty-one days until Thanksgiving. So seven twelve. Seven twelve. Ross Detweiler's ERA in his illustrious Texas Rangers career: forty-three innings across seventeen games in two thousand fifteen. That's a Missouri State grad. Oh, the of, that's the pride of Wentz, true. The pride of Wentzville, Missouri. Wentzville, I played them in high school. That's yeah, that's terrifying. That's uh, yeah. Uh, that is a that is a city. That's probably the smallest city in Missouri that I know. There you go, Wentzville. No, you know Camdenton. I do. Well, yeah, well come I'm on, sorry. man. Yes, that I don't have some sort of like personal connection to. I'm saying. What do you? I don't wow. have a personal connection to Wentzville. Okay. I have a personal connection to Camden. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Fair enough. Um. So uh, on today's show. <laughs> We are all for reals. <laughs> uh, episode 712 is going swimmingly. 711 was where we really should have cut it off. Um, it's got this week in Cruton. i got a friend sitting next to me. We'll get to him in just a moment. And then back half of the show, we are going to continue our series of Texas high school football years in review. We're going out west, way out west, way, way, way out west. Remember on uh, Monday when we talked with the head coach at El Paso, Hanks, uh, Coach Aaron Price? Or I'm sorry, not Aaron Price. He's the old coach. Uh, the uh, new coach is. Da, 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 don't tell me. Oh my gosh, this is all very bad. Who's the new coach that we talked to on Monday? Aaron, what, Jason Blair? Jason Blair. Thank you. Aaron Price is the old coach. Yeah. Jason Blair is the new coach. Thank you. Good lord, um, man. I know, dude. It's it's a weird day. Um, but in any case, 
Um, we're going to stay out in El Paso, Sun City, do our El Paso, Texas high school football year in review. Uh, we will talk with uh, talk all about that, what happened out there way out west coming up here at back half of the show. But for now, <clears throat> don't look at your phone. Don't. We're doing the thing. Don't look at Recruiting never sleeps. That's true. I'm Greg Tepper. That's Greg Powers. And this is This Week in Cruton. I can't believe you're looking at your phone. Let me cut to the camera. symbolizes recruiting. No, it, uh, it's recruiting at a glance. Greg That's Powers. What the life is. It's Greg Powers of Next Level Athlete. Uh, follow him on Twitter, set Twitter at GPower79, and follow um, Next Level Athlete on Twitter at NextLevelD1. First and foremost, this is not on the rundown, but I want to ask you um, about this um, this prospect I've been hearing a lot about. Um, I, I, I hear it's, uh, he's really um, he's really rising up the, the, the charts. Hank Tepper. Uh, no, uh, no, um, uh, Blake Carringer. Really interested to hear. He's a he's a Tennessee <laughs> guy. Uh, I'm very interested to hear what uh, what you think of uh, of, of Blake Carringer, six uh, three three fifteen, uh, coming out of uh, coming out of Tennessee. Um, any thoughts on him? His profile, I believe, says high interest in Alabama, but oh, his photo suggests that he may be committed to Arizona State. So, for those who don't know, um, there was a bit of a a, a recruiting. Snafu, yeah, definitely. This, this week, uh, this past week, twenty-four-seven. Um, uh, well, rivals. I don't know. It, 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 there's definitely a blame game going on between the two major companies, uh, but rivals and twenty-four-seven, in some sort of capacity, basically put a fake recruit on their on their board. You know, and I and rated him three stars. <laughs> I I'm surprised it hasn't happened more often. Yeah, honestly, in today's social media world where mm-hmm. you can create a Twitter profile, put a photo, and start claiming offers, there are going to be a lot of people who follow recruiting, start to retweet mm-hmm. you, you're going to start to get buzz, and, and it's not something that hasn't happened before, I mean, but it should be easier to manipulate the system as I see it um, in today's age. Well, and you made a great point on Twitter, because we were, we were talking about it here in the office, and then, um, and then I, I believe, you know, you, you chimed in on Twitter I think that this would be tougher to pull off in Texas. That the, that a, a pure hoax like this, where this was a kid, this is a, a fake player who was rated three stars uh, by twenty four seven for some reason uh, in rivals. And, and um, but I feel like it, you made a great point that I think it'd be harder for this to pull off in Texas because. I mean, I hate to say it, but maybe we just take it a little bit more seriously here. <laughs> like, there's just a little more due, due diligence done by the people who cover it. Well, I also think a lot more recruiting funnels through the head coach mm. in Texas compared to maybe some of the other states. Yeah. I've covered, you know, throughout my 15 years of experience covering recruiting, I've covered um, ju- junior colleges nationally, which if you're covering junior colleges, that's a whole different beast because yeah. you have to verify – each and every recruit and even when you verify them they may not be a a real recruit in the sense that they can't qualify their tape Mm -hmm. may be great they may have issues away from the game Um, but you're talking about a database of 1500 prospects in every cycle and you almost literally have to go one by one to figure out what's going on with that and that really teaches you patience with Mm -hmm. recruiting because we're you know with Next level athlete, we have over 1,500 prospects right now in our 2020 database in Texas. That's a lot of kids. Right. And only 325 to 350 of those will sign FBS or Mm -hmm. higher. Um, 
but it all comes from the high school coach mm-hmm. and it's verified information from the high school coach and i think that's very important so yeah. it, by and large if it's a checks and balances thing now with next level athlete if you aren't in the next level athlete system you probably shouldn't show up on 24 7 arrivals yeah. because these are the prospects who are delivered to us from the coaches. Yeah, and so you ha- you have a gatekeeper there right. in in the coaches who are not going to feed you fake kids. And and beyond that, um, you guys are going out there and you're watching the film and you're making sure. Okay, I want to make sure I watch film on this kid before I'm going out there and and, and rating them. Uh, I know that one of the uh, criticisms, one of the common criticisms, and, and one that I've levied against kind of the, the recruiting industrial complex is uh, it sure seems, seems like uh, a lot of people want to take shortcuts. And, you know, the, the people who I've got a lot of respect for the people who watch the film and say, I'm going to come up with my own opinion on this and what I think of this kid watching his film as opposed to just parroting what I read on a, a website. Not plugging any shows or anything, but sure. we're season five. Me and my son and I are season five into the wire, which ah. is the news, which is the news season yes. of the wire. Um, it's his first time watching. Of course, it's my third or fourth. Yeah. Right. Um, but T it's a lesson to be learned there with this and that, you know, it's not just shortcuts and recruiting. It can yeah. be shortcuts. I think I feel in media. Absolutely. And oh, the yes. world's become so much smaller now mm-hmm. and easier to report news and take shortcuts in reporting news and it's just something that you want to be careful of and if you can hang your hat on accuracy um you probably should and that's where i like to hang my hat we try to be accurate see it's greg power the next level athlete let's talk about some uh, some actual prospects uh, we're going to be really southeast texas heavy today a lot of a lot of big doings in southeast texas we're going to start with our prospect on the rise uh, go to channel view uh, another pro- another program uh fully uh you know familiar to, to prospect hounds um this is a 2020 offensive lineman uh paula vipulu paul you know what you got I, it you nailed that. i just got well here's the thing once you do halapulu vati vitae yep everything else is a layup uh but channel, <laughs> channel of you uh 2020 offensive lineman uh paul uh paula vipulu 63 230 uh starting to get uh some offers from missouri uh, ten, uh tulsa a few other places also, that's a, that is a typo. Three twenty. I was going to say two thirty. Okay, he must be really so good. So he's a he's a big guy. Uh, what I like about Paula is that he has the ability to play inside or outside. He's super mm. strong. Uh, Channel View has been known to produce a few top level prospects. Um, you know, usually in every class, they'll be back this year with Paula. He picked up new offers this week from Tulsa and Missouri. Uh, Missouri is his second P five offer, joining Nebraska. Um, Back when he came to the Next Level Athlete Showcase, he only had one offer from Houston, but he took home O-line MVP award honors at that camp, uh, beating out guys like Hayden Connor and Donovan Jackson. So it kind of tells you what kind of camp he had. Um, I think he's the perfect fit at, Perfect fit as a center. I mm-hmm. really like his uh, ability at that position because he's so strong and he's super quick. His height may limit him at guard. And this is a guy who was, uh, you know, as you mentioned, if you're the MVP at this at, at, at the next level athlete showcase, um, especially from the offensive line perspective, right? That's that's saying something because you're you're talking about a kid who who beat out some of not just the best offensive linemen in the state, but some of the best prospects in the state right. uh, at at a, at a showcase like this. And we love giving, you know, you like to give the offensive. You like to give the MVP award to the best prospects at the camp, mm-hmm. but you love to see a guy like this who comes in and earns it over guys who have 30 
offers. You know, he had one offer coming in, and he had the, an MVP type of performance, and uh, justifiably he should be on more college radars as a result, and he's starting to pick up uh, – pick up a lot of interest north texas offered him just a few days after the camp was over people are starting to notice uh paul vipulu out of channel view let's now go to our commit of the week and this was another thing that blew up my twitter this week <laughs> uh texas fans were sure excited to get a commit from uh, commitment from the big offensive lineman from Pl- uh, port nature's groves um Jalen Garth, another another monster, 6'4", 290, uh, and had offers from pretty much everywhere, but uh, said, hey, I'm going to Austin. It's a great offensive line class in the state in 2020 mm-hmm. as well. Uh, Texas A&M's out of the gate strong with a couple early commitments, uh, and there's still a lot of big names on the board. Um, I think some out-of-state programs may be able to take advantage of that once Texas and Texas A&M are done taking their O-linemen. Uh, but I really love Garth's versatility. Another guy who plays tackle, plays right tackle for his high school team, uh, but has the size and strength to move into the interior. But when you're watching this tape, you can see that he has length, uh, can transition easily to the next level to secure blocks on linebackers, and he has really good feet. So I think that he his position flexibility and um, strength will mm-hmm. – allow him to to be able to get on the field and make an impact pretty early at a position that where it's hard to do that at all offensive line yeah and you mentioned this is a you know this is a very good 2020 class uh, of offensive line um and you feel like um i'm, I'm interested from your perspective that that obviously colleges are going to have needs every college is going to have needs, and, and you got to put five offensive linemen out there right um with such a strong class in Texas, could you see these big programs, uh, you know, the Power Five programs, and then you lump in a team like maybe Houston? Could you see them taking more offensive line than, than maybe they? I hate to say need, but maybe saying because it's such a deep class, let's let's stock up a little bit. Well, the dangerous thing with saying that in mm-hmm. 2020 is that 2021's even better <laughs> <laughs> on the O line. So you're putting together two back to back years in the state of Texas where you're going to have uh, major national recruits up front, mm-hmm. you know, because the, you got Bryce Foster, Hayden Connor, yeah. um, Donovan Jackson in 2021. Mm-hmm. That's just Houston area. So, yeah. I mean, uh, you have to definitely be smart about your approach, even if you're Texas or Texas A&M, because you don't want to, you don't want to handicap yourself and not be able to take Hayden Connor and Donovan Jackson and Bryce Foster next year. You yeah. got to have space for those guys. And you also have to be able to present a package to them, uh, at their position that you can say you can come in and make an impact. You're not going to have to sit the bench for four years because these top recruits don't want to do that. Greg Powers, an ex-level athlete, joins us for this week in Cruton here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation. Hashtag TF Today. Stay in Houston area. Underclassman of the week. It's crazy now to think about uh, kids in the class of 2021 are going to be juniors next year. This was like the when you're putting when you're Whoa. putting this together. The underclassman of the week is a 2021 now. It's yeah, you're so like, used to writing 2020. Um, Richmond Foster wide receiver Cody Jackson. Um, another program down there in the Houston area that routinely puts out big time prospects, especially it seems like skill position kids. Right. Uh, picked up an offer Saturday from uh, uh, from Texas. Cody Jackson did. Uh, he's uh, got an uh, invitation to the Under Armour Future 50 uh, after their uh, after good showing at their their All America camp in in Houston. Um, this guy's already got offers from a number of big time programs, including Oklahoma, Oregon, LSU, Michigan. Uh, Texas Tech. Uh, this guy uh, sure seems like you know people think of Richmond Foster, they're thinking C.D. Lamb. Um, it's it just another another you know notch in the belt for Richmond Foster putting out big time kids. Uh, this one, Cody Jackson, the 2021 wide receiver. And I got to think that um, Oklahoma will be a school to watch mm. with Cody. They've already offered 
course, he's going to have the opportunity to watch CeeDee Lamb put up huge numbers. He's going to be one of the best wide receivers in NCAA mm -hmm. next year. Uh, Well-rounded skill set. And Cody's kind of in the same way. He's already six foot, six foot one, um, passes the eyeball test, and joined the 1,000-yard club as a sophomore. Yeah. So that's pretty impressive in and of itself. So he's already putting up the numbers to kind of to back up uh, – his talents. Yeah. You know, it's easy to go into a camp and, and showcase your skills and have a lot of people talk about you, but he's also doing it doing it in the pad, so it's the best of both worlds, and that just kind of speaks to how highly he may end up being rated by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, putting up a 5,000, or a, rather a 1,000-yard season as a sophomore at the 5A level, right. rather, is is certainly impressive. And, and, you know, to stand out as a youngster for Richmond Foster, again, is impressive because they do have so many guys that, that kind of jump off the page. But this is a guy uh, you're going to be hearing more and more about. This is the first team all state and all district guy or rather this was a, a guy with 57 catches as uh you know 13 yards or 13 touchdowns as a sophomore uh certainly named to watch uh picked up that big offer from texas you figure that won't be the last big time offer he gets could be, could be a true red river yeah. showdown maybe but as i scroll through his twitter media and looked at it whenever i was putting this together the only coach i saw him standing next to was lincoln riley so mm -hmm. maybe maybe that's a a possible telltale. Uh, and finally, let's get to our, our recruit of the week. Uh, our recruit of the week, another guy who who made his commitment this week uh, to a big-time Power 5 program uh, kind of in the uh, the greater region. Let's say Alvin Shadow Creek defensive end uh, Alec Bryant. Um, there were a lot of guys who impressed us from this Shadow Creek team in 2018. Um, this guy is coming back next year, and, and after a monster junior season, uh, it's no wonder people are paying attention to him. It's no wonder he got an offer from LSU and he, he snapped it up. He commits to LSU. But uh, Alec Bryant uh, showed out all year long a big reason why uh, they made uh, they made such a, an impact in their first varsity season. Such a talented squad. Mm -hmm. I mean, talent up and down that roster. Uh, but the one guy who jumps out to me physically is Alec Bryant. He's the younger brother of Indiana defensive lineman Alfred Bryant, who played at Manville and had some offers before he decided – to go to the Big Ten. Um, but what I really like about Alex's skill set is that he could be a versatile guy up front. He's strong enough to take on blockers and limit the run game, although um, he only had 53 tackles. But I think that's pretty good for a defensive end because yeah. he backed that up with 16 sacks. Yikes. So that's okay. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> uh, but he's also a young prospect. Mm. He's a guy who could be classified as a sophomore age-wise right mm. now. So that kind of speaks possibly of his potential upside uh, because he looks like he's 25 <laughs> <laughs> yeah he certainly passes the eyeball test a guy that you don't have to worry about uh, you know 63 240 as uh as a, a technical junior now going you know but but age-wise could be a sophomore this guy uh is is certainly a name to know and i know that uh geez i'm sure uh, coaches in the houston area are sure tired of hearing his name but they're gonna have to deal with him for one more year uh, but he is heading to lsu um LSU, lsu making a living off of these edge rushers man, from the houston area i'm Play telling chase you. on and the list just keeps going with they, guys who they're able to recruit. It does seem like it seems like LSU's just got this like this type. They have a type, yep. and it's a Houston area defensive lineman. Yep. Uh, so Ed O uh, bringing in uh, Alec Bryant, defensive end from Shadow Creek. Max Thompson. We got, got a, we got a question from Jacob John. Uh, I love that uh, we're getting the the crowd is getting more involved in the uh, this week in recruiting segment. Uh, and this is a fun question. Jacob John asks, which state per capita produces the best recruit? My gut tells me Louisiana or maybe Virginia. Hmm. Um, so this is interesting. I'm actually working on the. I'm crunching the numbers right now for the magazine for our uh, our. Um, but I don't uh, for the recruiting between the numbers. But I don't take into account the quality of prospect. I'm only doing a lot of like kind of mm -hmm. volume. Mm -hmm. um, 
it seems to me that it, it, it kind of varies um, and that, um, you know, routinely, if you're talking about the number one player in the, in the nation, uh, it's a, probably a good guess to say California, Florida, or Texas, maybe Ohio. Well, the, the, the states that produce the most talent yes. are Texas, yes. California, Florida, and Georgia. Yes. Those are the top four. If you're talking about per capita, I would probably guess – I mean, this is, I'm just throwing, I would just throw it out there. I mean, Ohio is kind of backed off, I feel like, in the grand scheme of things as far as overall talent producing and top-end NFL-style talent. Um, I would guess Georgia Mm -hmm. would probably top the list because they produce a lot of prospects, but they also – They're not huge. Right, it's not huge. Um, Louisiana – is a, is a Louisiana good would be my guess. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of with him there. Well, I can tell you that uh, don't sleep on Missouri. Yes, I can tell you that. <laughs> sleep. I'm, actually, I'm serious. Don't sleep on Missouri as far as, as being some, able to produce. As, as someone who played high school football in Missouri, <laughs> you are wrong. Okay, so here we go. I've, I've got the numbers. If, now we're talking volume <laughs> and not necessarily quality, but these are FBS signees that signed for the class of 2018. You're exactly right. Per capita, Georgia number one, two per 100,000. Next. DC, believe it or not, nice. Interesting. DC is number two. Did, so Virginia, who had, did the guy who asked the question know the the answer before listening? I d- did don't did know. you know who was it, John? No, J- J- Jacob John. He's he, but he's a bright guy. He's one of our. He's one of our. Well, uh, he, he there are ten states. I don't think he was cheating. There are ten states that put out him. at least one prospect, one FBS signee from the high school uh, level per one hundred thousand. Uh, number one is Georgia. Number two is D.C. Number three is Louisiana. This is 2018. Number four is Alabama. Number five is Florida. Six is Mississippi. Seven is Texas. Uh, eight is South Carolina. Nine, oh, wow. nine is Utah. And ten is Hawaii. Wow. Which okay. is interesting. And I know that like going through this right now, I just got done putting the Pac-12 in. And they definitely do bring over their share of, of Hawaii players. And then Utah is also a name that we hear. I mean, Utah put out 36 high school signees in 2018. Hawaii is interesting, too, because they I know, it's not a state that I keep up with necessarily, but I know mm-hmm. that they produced a couple of good quarterbacks over the last yeah. couple of years, and mm-hmm. they've sent guys to high mm-hmm. profile. Not a lot of people living in Hawaii. So. Yeah, exactly. Only mm-hmm. I've got a population of 1.4 million. But Just, Tepper case. is the spreadsheet wizard. I've got you had all that information ready to go. It's almost it like <laughs> it's almost like you were ready for that question. We've been talking about this over the last yeah. week. So. He's Greg Powers of Next Level Athlete. Follow him on Twitter at gpowers79 and follow Next Level Athlete at Next Level T1 Powers. Appreciate it. Let's do it again next Let's week. Let's do it. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to invite you to check out TexasFootball.com to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. That is our subscription package. Two magazines, a year's worth of exclusive online content at TexasFootball.com, including, if you like the recruiting stuff you just heard from Greg Powers, Lots more of it if you become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com. 1995 for the fi- first year uh, for two magazines, years of exclusive online content. Makes a great gift as well. It's TexasFootball.com to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Let's continue our uh, series of Texas high school football postmortems um, in uh, regional uh, recaps, looking region by region. We're, we've now gone way out west, way, 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 way out west to El Paso. Uh, to talk about what happened in the Sun City. So let's start first and foremost with um, uh, with the big picture. And the big picture is honestly, 
I think it's I think El Paso for all the things we say about it, El Paso is relatively easy to define a good or bad season. Mm-hmm. The good or bad season is does a team from El Paso make it past the second round of the playoffs? <laughs> that's basically it, right? Yeah. I mean, I I hate to say that that yeah. that, that that's a that's pass fail basically, uh, but it is. I mean, that's that's just basically the bottom line of it. And and in the end. They didn't. Yeah. You know, we did not have a team from El Paso get past the second round of the playoffs. Every team got bounced in, in the area round. Now, some of them gave it a good run. We're going to talk about a few of them. Uh, but in the end, El Paso is going to be measured by what happens after they get done once they play a metro area team, like a, like a DFW area team specifically. And the bottom line was that in, in 2018, El Paso wasn't able to get over the hump. That doesn't mean it wasn't a great year out there in El Paso, but that is kind of the measuring stick. And I think if you talk to folks in El Paso, uh, that's the goal. The goal is get to the third round of the playoffs. If we get to the third round of the playoffs, Things open up, and we prove that we can contend on the statewide level. But in the end, El Paso just wasn't able to do that. And that's not to say, again, they didn't have some great teams. We're going to talk about a few, uh, a few of them. I thought that, uh, you know, for example, I thought El Paso Del Valle had a great year. Uh, Franklin had a really, really good year, a surprising year, I think, in a lot of respects. Andrus, I think, had a bit of a disappointing year, but still a solid one. Eastwood, Burgess, uh, it was it was overall a solid year in El Paso if you're talking about what was, was the football entertaining, was there good football mm-hmm. being played in El Paso. But if you are talking about statewide contention and mattering on a statewide perspective, the bottom line is, fair or not, they just didn't pass that test. Yeah, and I think you know part of it, too, is uh, we put so much hype on Parkland. Well, really, really wanted them to go on a run and just didn't happen. And well, that's the thing. And, and so let's get to our team of the year because you mentioned it. It's, it's yeah. El Paso Parkland. Um, they were, in my opinion, even if it was mildly disappointing, they were, in my opinion, the best team in El Paso. Uh, they were the team that they were the only team I believe to win ten games in El Paso. Uh, they go ten one and one, and a team that, in the end, you know they ran into a Canyon Randall squad that that got hot at the right time, and and they they weren't able to to get over the hump in the area round. But overall, I would still say they were the the best team. I would take Randall or I'm sorry, I'd take Parkland to beat any team in El Paso. Would be my like if you you matched them up against that, they would be the team that I would take. Um, I think that they were probably the best team in El Paso. I know that, again, we're, we're kind of judging it based on whether or not they get past that their uh, second round of the playoffs. They weren't able to. But overall, I think when you look at what Parkland was able to do, a 10-win season is never anything to turn your nose up at. And I think that it was a, t- a spectacular year, uh, year for, for Parkland and, and certainly uh, deserving of being the uh, t- uh, team of the year. Regional surprise of the year. And this is going to be, if you don't pay a ton of attention to El Paso high school football kind of year to year, this may come as a bit of a, uh, a surprise to you. But I'm going to give it to El Paso Coronado. The Thunderbirds are probably the most, they're one of the most decorated programs in El Paso. They're the team that is kind of known as kind of the bell cow out there in El Paso, or at least has been, you know, traditionally. But recently, this has been a team that has, that's struggled. This has been a team that, that has, uh, I believe they missed the playoffs the past couple of years. Um, they Or rather, they, they made the playoffs in 17, but they went 5-6. and six. They haven't had a winning season uh, since 2013. Which, by El Paso Coronado standards, is an, uh, is eons. Um, but they were able to put it together this year, and and I was really impressed with what they were able to do. Uh, uh, they were able to put together. I think that they are probably my pick for for surprise of the year. But a special commendation, if I may. Okay. I know this is. Uh, I know you don't like. You're going off script. There's only two teams that are six man teams that we classify as being in El Paso. Sierra Blanca. 
had a spectacular year uh, to make it into the playoffs in a district that included uh, Buena Vista and Grand Falls Royalty is awful, awful impressive. They go six and three, uh, and considering uh, that, uh, considering this is a team that I believe um, they had not made the playoffs uh, since 2014. Uh, and it had been kind of rough going there uh, for the Vaqueros of, of Sierra Blanca. A special uh, a special commendation uh, to Sierra Blanca. I think they certainly deserve a little bit of credit for what they will do. Making the playoffs out of that district uh, with Buena Vista and Sanderson, I think, is really, really impressive. So uh, they are a special commendation uh, surprise of the year. Coach of the year, one of our favorites around here. It's Ray Aguilar Jr. at uh, San Elizario. And, and look, there's a lot that, that you can say about this, but... This is a San Elizario team that had not had a winning season since 1999. This is a San Elizario team that had not won a district game since 2015. And they did it with a first-year coach who is also, by the way, the youngest head coach in the state at 27 years old. <laughs> All of those things are truly, truly remarkable to put together uh, and, and uh, you know, there were some great coaching jobs that went on out there in El Paso. But to me, San Elizario is the story in large part thanks to their coach, Ray Aguilar Jr. He's my pick uh, for Regional Coach of the Year. And then Regional Player of the Year, I think this is kind of obvious, right? It had to be Dion Hankins. Yep. And in many respects, you could give this uh, as kind of a, a lifetime achievement award, right? This is a guy who was is now the El Paso's all-time leading rusher uh, career-wise, uh, and when you're talking about a, a you know you're talking about a, a city that produced Aaron Jones, uh, you're certainly doing something right. But this is a guy who who even with the um, with the target on him uh, ran for 2,270 yards and 27 touchdowns, uh, the most dominant force in my mind in El Paso in 2018, uh, and UTEP's gonna love him. Uh, Deion Hankins is my pick for the 2000 and uh, for the 2018 El Paso Player of the Year. I believe he won El Paso Times All City MVP too. That would not surprise me. Um, and so now we start taking a look ahead, and and the bar stays the same, right? The bar stays the same. Is there a team that is ready to start making that leap? Um, is there a team that's ready to start moving forward and, and get past that that area around? Um, I do think Parkland, you know, obviously you're going to be replacing a guy like Deion Hankins, but they bring back junior quarterback Gabriel Herrera, who was uh, really, really solid for them last year. 39 touchdowns against just four interceptions. I think they're, go uh, they're not going anywhere. I think Coronado is going to be back in the mix. Uh, and, and overall, I think that the depth in El Paso is impressive. I think that it kind of used to be that there would be one or maybe two teams uh, that you kind of had to, to pay attention to. But I think when you look at Parkland, Del Valle, Franklin, Andrus, Eastwood, Burgess, Coronado, uh, even lumping a team like Chapin, uh, maybe a team like El Paso Austin can get it. I mean, we didn't even mention El Paso Pebble Hills. Um, you know, they had a bit of a disappointing year, I think, by their standards, by their, their young, young standards. But the depth of El Paso, I think, is getting better. My question is, can we have one of those teams break through? You know, we, when, we, when we talked uh, with the new head coach at El Paso, uh, Hanks, earlier this week, he mentioned mm -hmm. that the problem is that there's so many schools out there that kind of dilutes the talent. There's not, there's just, there's, I mean, again, there's only, um, how many 6A teams are there? There's one, two, three, four, five, six, six A teams yeah. out there in El Paso. Yeah. They like to have the 5A team. That's just the way that the school yeah. districts like to do it, whether it's Socorro ISD or whether it's El Paso ISD. And so, in the end, you're going to need that special spark. You're going to need, for some reason, 
all the, this, this special class to come through. When it happened with Canatillo in 2014, that was a special moment. Can it happen again? Yeah. I mean, I think they've always got the playmakers out there, and, and El Paso is always going to have a couple of guys uh, to turn our head. And I would also say 95% of the time, Region 1 is eminently winnable. Absolutely. There are far fewer hurdles in Region 1 in either 5A class than there are in the 6A. Base. I mean, when you look at – well, and especially – yeah, you're exactly right, and especially at f- when you talk about 5A. Yeah. Uh, with the division split, yeah. um, you know, look – if you are, if you're in Division One, at some point you're probably going to run into, you know, in the first round you're going to run into District Two, which is Coronado, Caprock, Amarillo. Yep. Uh, but then you're going to probably run into a team like um, Birdville or, or Denton Ryan or something like that. Yep. Uh, but Division Two, I mean, look, we talked uh, on and on about how Division Two uh, was so wide open. And that's why, you know, that's why you had a team like Wichita Falls Ryder, a team that entered the playoffs uh, with five losses, able to make it to a state semifinal. It can be done. And I don't think, again, especially when you look at 5A Division Two, it's, it's, it's open. It's there for an El Paso team to take advantage, whether it's Parkland, whether it's Andrus, whether it's Austin, whether it's Burgess, a team like that. Um, but the question is, can they do it? Yep. And and that's always going to be the bar in El Paso. So uh, it, it's always interesting. It's, it's one of the more fascinating regions in the state um, because you always you always hold out hope. And and you know it didn't happen in 2018, but here's it happening in 2019. That's our El Paso regional recap. And now we go to Max Thompson for America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts. Oh, we got a few. You keep grabbing that trophy, hoping you're getting out of here quick, buddy. I'm running. I'm running out of here. Uh, Levi Nebush says, uh, hello from Amarillo. I need to be on your show so I can bring you some Taco Villa. Mm, there's a few things. I'm, I'm going to need Taco Villa. I'm, I'm also going to need Donut Stop. Um, there's a few things I need from him. Uh-huh. Can I just send you a list? Yeah, could you? Send him yeah, a I'll list. Send, you a send list. him a list and we'll work with that. Is there a great that. barbecue place in Amarillo? Oh, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll hit everyone up and he has to yeah, bring a grocery cart full yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. Uh... Paul Roberts is back. He's been gone. Paul Roberts, his football opinions. We can trust. We can trust. Uh, He says a week in San Francisco can change your outlook on life. Well, that's interesting, Paul. It is. It can change your outlook on life in in the way that you can say, boy, there are a lot of people who make a lot of money. That's true. And because I'll be in San Francisco next week. I was in San Francisco this summer. And um, so thanks for warming the place up for me, Paul. Lovely. Appreciate it. Lovely. I like like San Francisco. Um, And then you start thinking about how much it would cost to live there. <laughs> and you say, you know what? Maybe Texas is... Uh, Levi, 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 by the way, says, you know, donut stop, change donors. I don't know what that means, but... This is extremely concerning. I don't know what to do with that. Uh, he says Tyler's Barbecue out there is one of the best in Texas, though. Okay. I'll I'll take his word for it. I don't know. Step. Yeah. Step's not here. He's in Canada. Step's not here. Step's in Canada. He's ruining everything by oh, being in Canada. Okay. Uh, They're saying Oh Canada before the NBA All-Star game. I don't know. Carly Rae yeah, Jepsen sang it. Okay, sure. Well, there are there is a there is a Canadian team. It's in Toronto. I don't know if you knew that. There's no way that's true. That's true. Uh, Josh Chap, this is a good question for you. He says, "Could y'all list the regions from biggest to smallest on the site? We yes. probably should have a regional explainer. I Couldn't I can? Shouldn't we? Should I we can. Here regional, we go. Regional uh, we'll go from smallest to biggest. Brazos Valley, South Texas, which is kind of greater Laredo. Brazos Valley is like greater Bryan College Station. Uh, Concho Valley, greater San Antonio, or San Angelo, rather. Um, Hill Country, it's just kind of the Hill Country. (laughs) Uh, Wichita Falls, Texoma, which is kind of greater Sherman Denison. Um, Golden Triangle, greater Beaumont. Uh, Permian Basin, greater Midessa. Uh, El Paso. Uh, Piney Woods, which is kind of the Piney Woods. Uh, Greater Huntsville, I guess. Um, Panhandle. 
uh, so Greater Amarillo, or kind of the whole top half of the Panhandle, mm-hmm. um, Coastal Bend, mm-hmm. Corpus Christi area, mm-hmm. Rio Grande Valley, mm-hmm. uh, Austin, South Plains, which is Greater Lubbock, um, Big Country, kind of Greater Abilene, uh, San, uh, San Antonio, East Texas, uh, Super Centex, which is kind of Waco, Killeen, right. Temple. That's kind of the weird one. Uh, and then Houston and DFW. That is the list of the ones. That's, and we're, if, we, if, you've, if you've noticed, we're going in order of smallest region to largest region. There, there you so go. we will do our DFW recap sometime in 2024. 24, yeah. Uh, we should just have like a regional explainer somewhere on the side. Yeah, I need to put, here's, you know what I'm afraid of? I fear the people. Because what's going to happen yeah. is that I'm going to put the map up. Yeah, people lose And they're going to be minds. like... There is no way yeah. that team is in that region. Yeah. They're going to go get full, that. like, You're Buddy Gary on them. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. I get that for sure. Uh, and finally, I uh, while you were starting the El Paso regions, I, I did the two-shot with the empty chair next to you. Uh, this. Uh, and, and Josh Chappett just goes, where's Powers? Hashtag Killer Landry. I'm telling you. He's, he must be stopped. Yeah. Uh, no, Powers has much more important things to yeah. do than sit here and listen to me ramble. Yeah. In any case, that's going to do it for us. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. For Max Thompson and Greg Powers, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please come get your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow for the 713th episode spectacular on Texas Football Today. Mm-hmm.